Well, hello there. So listen, if you are one of those people, I think there are a lot of us that feel like you're pretty much invisible online and you're actually posting and commenting and doing all the things you should, but you kind of feel like you're talking to the wall. If that's you, I want you to hop in and listen to this episode. We have a strategy for you that is going to help you immensely. I'll see you on the inside. Come listen. Welcome to the Roadmap to 50K on Shopify. Each week, we'll take you behind the scenes of real stores where you're going to learn actionable strategies and tips that will fast track the growth and profitability of your e-commerce business. So buckle up. Welcome your host and Shopify expert, Susan Bradley. So I am so happy to be back with you again. I am here with our member success coach, Tina Baron, and she had an, an epiphany, didn't you, Tina? A few yes, weeks. I did. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> an epiphany that she shared with me because it was, it was a real eye-opener for you, it was a total eye-opener for me. Also a good lesson for everyone, which is why I said, oh, we have to make a podcast out of this. This is really going to put things in perspective for you, but also give you some direction about how you can increase your visibility, how you can be found. And Tina, people know you as a coach in the inner circle and as the the person who is uh, in charge of our members' success. But what a lot of people may not know is you are also an e-commerce store owner. Yep, that's right. I have a store as well. And I have all the same challenges that everybody else has. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, unfortunately, (laughs) anyway, so let's talk about that for a minute, because you have kind of an interesting store. Do you want to tell everybody the name of your store and really what it's about? Sure. So my online store is called Welljourn. And it is a fair trade store where I curate products from artisans around the world. And so it's everything from home decor to jewelry to kitchenware, things like that. But really everything is artisan made. And I spend a lot of time really looking for special pieces that I can sell in my store. And some of it is actually drop ship. I'm lucky enough to have some really good suppliers that offer that service for me. But some of it is inventory that I have here in my house and I ship out every day my orders, just like everybody else. Who's like at this everybody stage. else. Yeah. So I really understand the challenges that come along with having an online store. Yeah. you are, And you've been up to your neck in it for years. It's not like you haven't you just woke up one day and decided to start a store to go along with your coaching practice. Right. It actually came the other way. I started as a store owner and then that evolved into becoming a coach. (laughs) So good. So listen, let's give everybody a little backstory to this epiphany, because this is something that you did in person a few weeks ago. So share, tell us about that. Yeah, sure. So I ran across, I think it was on Instagram or maybe a flyer somewhere. I don't really know where that they were having a pop-up at the local mall and the tables were going to be really inexpensive, like $125. And I thought, well, you know, this is really cool. I I like the idea of doing a pop-up, getting out there, meeting my customers, maybe seeing what they think about my products. And it's in the mall. Like, how cool is that? I know there's buyers, there's shoppers in the mall. (laughs) So let's do it. 
So I got my table and I was on the second floor of this, you know, giant, beautiful mall, just like you would expect, you know, big, large yeah. building. I was next to Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works. So two big chains. Yeah. And from there, it, there was a bunch of other tables next to me. So it was just tables lined up outside of these retailers. I'm sure they loved it. <laughs> you know, yeah. They had new competition they never had before. But from there, what I found was, you know, my epiphany came as I'm sitting at that table all day long. The experience of my little table is just like the experience of my little store inside a huge online mall, whereas this time I was in a physical mall. But it was so similar. Just all the parallels were there. So let's uh, let's back up for one second. Mm-hmm. What were your expectations going in? What were you hoping would happen? Yeah, Other so I knew I wasn't getting, I wasn't expecting, you know, a huge uh, amount of sales or a big sales day. I really went into it with, you know, I paid $125 for the table. If it could at least make my booth fee back, I would be happy. For me, it was more a little bit of an experiment. Like we're coming out of COVID or kind of out of COVID. What are people's shopping behavior? Is it worth it for me to do more pop-ups? Is this a good idea or is this a waste of my time? And then, like I said, just to meet people, to meet my customers, because right now I get emails once in a while that are really friendly and outgoing, but it's not the same as talking to somebody face-to-face. So cool. So you sat there uh, or you stood behind your table for the day and tell me what happened. Yeah. So the way I I wrote it to you in my notes was what I learned about cold traffic, (laughs) because (laughs) I think it's helpful to actually frame it that way, because there's just people, a nice steady stream of people walking by. And what I saw is that everybody had a different reason for being there. There were some people who were clearly walking with a specific store in mind. I would maybe see them stop and look at the mall map look where they're going, where's that store. And then they're just on a mission. They're chugging along. They have no, no interest in looking at my table at all. They have a destination and a purpose and they're going there. No chance that's going to be my customer. Some people were totally distracted. Like really, I was worried they were going to hurt themselves because they were looking at their phone while walking along (laughs) or talking to their friend. And I was like, oh, that's kind of like sitting there watching reels on Instagram. (laughs) You're just kind of letting time roll by and you have no awareness of what's going on around you. They didn't even know you were there. They had no idea I was there. And then some people were just kind of strolling leisurely, you know, looking here and there. And that was like, okay, those people I have a chance to maybe engage with, but it wasn't like I had samples. It's not like Costco where you have something to draw people in. I'm standing behind my table. So there wasn't a lot of big flashy stuff I could do to bring people to my table. I had to really be lucky enough to have that right person who was strolling by and actually in the mood to look and see what I had. So basically there weren't a lot of people that came to your table to see you. No. Yeah. So I would say, you know, throughout the day I was there, it was a long day. I was there for a lot of hours, you know, hundreds, maybe even thousand people walk past my booth. And I would say like less than 5% stopped to look at my table and maybe 1% bought So it felt just like online e-commerce conversion rates. 
lot of people just to get a couple of sales. A lot of people just to get a couple of sales. Mm -hmm. Listen in, everybody. A lot of people just to get a couple of sales. It sounds really familiar to a conversion rate of 1% with cold traffic. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's kind of an eye opener for all of us. This is behavior. This isn't something that's wrong with your store. This is how it works. But let's talk about your ideal customer because you uh, said it was what was interesting is you could pretty much spot who was going to stop and come to your table. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, being by um, you know Bath and Body Works and Victoria's Secret, there was a lot of teenagers and kind of young people going to that store. So they're not usually my customer. My customers tends to skew a little older. Um, they usually have their own home and they they like to collect things or they're very well traveled. So usually I can spot them. And as the day went on, it became very clear. I could tell right away who's going to stop at my table by the clothes they wore, maybe their hairstyle, just their age. I could spot them and be like, oh, I know that person's going to come and talk to me. They're going to be really intrigued by my table and want to chat. And then the other people would just keep going by, or maybe they went to one of the other vendors because there were other vendors that were very different to me. And that was that vendor's ideal customer. So that was really interesting too to see that play out in person by by just by what was going on in the crowd you could really pick out the people that you were pretty sure would come over and and look take a closer look at yeah. what you had. Mm-hmm. exactly so really really good now let's talk about once that person came over to your table because there were a lot of parallels to what happens in e-commerce there too. And so I would love if you would explain to everyone really kind of how it all went down when you did get someone over to your table. Yeah. So once someone came over, that's where I realized I had to get over my shyness, let's say. So you have to really engage the conversation quickly. So I would have to tell them a quick story about my brand Or if there was an item that they picked up or they were looking at, then engage in a conversation about that. So maybe tell them what country it came from, what the artisan's story was, or, you know, people were really into elephants that day for some reason. So it'd be like, oh, you like that elephant item? Do you see I have a notebook with elephants on it? Or I have another thing with elephants and why is that your favorite animal or whatever it was? It was opening the conversation, making it feel personal, but it had to be really quick. If I just sit there and let them kind of look at stuff, they would do that and then walk away. So it was about me creating a conversation with them. And so, so what did that conversation look like if you were just giving them the story of your brand very quickly? Right. Said, Hey, do you make this? Because you have an assortment of products that could look like you're a maker, Yep. And I got that a lot. They're like, oh, do you make all of these? And I said, no, I'm not a maker. I wish I was. I'm not that talented. Um, Instead, I curate things from different countries and everything is fair trade. So I had a really quick little couple of sentences that I could tell them. And then that let them know what my store was all about, what my products were all about, and they could gauge whether that was interesting to them or not. So that was really important. I needed to tell them the overarching story of my brand. And on a website, we talk about that all the time. time. 
15 minute feedbacks. It's, Hey, you need to have that one or two lines that tells this person that they're in the right place, that this is for them. And that's what that, it's that line is. I mean, when people ask for user experience, we do talk about mm-hmm. that. Is it for me? How do I know it's for me? And so basically what you're saying is it's, it's almost like an elevator pitch. Yeah, exactly. And so your ideal customer doesn't have to, you don't have to explain what fairly traded is to them. Right. They know that. And then they'll tell me, oh, I've been to India or I've been to Ecuador. These are so cool. I remember seeing something like that on my trip. And so it's about evoking that those memories. And that's where the emotional part comes in. So like in our copy, when we tell stories or when we use marketing copy, it's that same type of thing. Once you get them past the homepage, (laughs) once you get them onto a product, then you need to engage them there with your messaging. So then... It came to uh, the purchase part. And what you discovered is no different than what we talk about again, that people need a reason to buy from you. Right, exactly. And the interesting part was I could hear through the words they would say, the thought process that they were going through. It was, oh, I know who would love this. I'm going to buy it as a gift for my mom or my sister, or I'm going to save this for Christmas or their birthday is coming up. So they had somebody in mind that they knew they were buying this for. Maybe it wasn't for themselves or there was, oh, I've been looking for something like this, but obviously they never found it. or Maybe they didn't look that hard. (laughs) And then there was the sort of surprise, I call it the surprise and delight. Like, wow, I've never seen anything like it before. Oh, it's so beautiful. And so it gives them a good feeling. So they wanted to buy it for that reason. So those were all reasons that people had that they felt comfortable opening their wallet and making a sale. And then then I had the ones that were like, oh, do you have a card? So that was the, okay, maybe I'll give you my email or the, I'll come back later. The nice yeah. way of saying <laughs> not right now. Not ready. Yeah. yeah. And then I had, I would say during the day, I had maybe five people that said, oh, I'll come back later. I need to go finish my shopping or, oh, I need to catch up with so-and-so we'll come back around. And of those only one person came back and bought something. So again, it's like out of sight, out of mind. They got busy. They're like, oh, I don't remember where that was in the mall. I can't find that on the map. Too far. Oh, we're already on the other end. We're already at the food court, whatever it is. But here's the thing with that. Here's what, you know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking, well, this is no different than frequency recency. If you had been able to capture their email address and got back in front of them again quickly, like within the next 24 hours, maybe even a couple of times within the next uh, day or two, your chances of converting those people are higher than just about any other person you could have contact with. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the other thing with that was I had a QR code to sign up for a raffle. I had a card with my Instagram, all my information on it. And it was really hard to get people to actually give an email address. Even when I had them at my table and I knew they were my ideal customer, they were very hesitant to go through with that. So I think that's also aligned with conversion rates that we see on pop-ups. Like even if you get your perfect customer there, there's a hesitancy to give up your information. Right. 
Well, with the time that they're most likely to sign up on your pop-up, then their next action is probably to purchase. They're right. so yeah, close. they're looking for whatever the yeah. Yep. So when you're uh, sitting there feeling discouraged about your pop-up rate, it really just means that you have to find a way to bring them back one more time and maybe they'll sign up that next time. And so it's important to realize that this is a process. It's yeah. you know the person who swoops in and makes a purchase. They're the unicorn. <laughs> yeah. The- and Totally. And I was only there for one day over a couple of hours, but it sort of felt like each hour would be like equivalent to a whole day in my store. You know, <laughs> So yeah, it's the kind of thing, like I'm not at the mall every weekend. This was a one-time thing. I was there. So for them to find me again, I'd really have to put the effort into collecting emails or getting them to follow me other places. Right. Right. So let's talk about how we can take that information that was just a kind of I think is great for perspective for those of us that are feeling discouraged, like this is an uphill battle. Uh, The good news is you don't have to stand anywhere to do this. There's that. You don't have the overhead of a mall, but it's not much different. And I say that actually in one of our trainings that I want you to think about your store as the store at the busiest mall in the world. And you're at the end of a corridor and the lights are off. That's how it feels. That's exactly how it feels, right? especially when you first start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk, though, about how we can give ourselves the best chance online and the action steps we can take from what, what is our truth or you know, our reality as e-commerce store owners. And really what stands out for me in what you said is that you have to identify who your ideal customer is and only speak to her that everybody else doesn't matter. So when you're thinking about how you can include this group of people and how you can include that group of people, you are wasting your time. There is enough of your own. And you're also muddying the waters for the people who could be your ideal customer. Um, there, there really is, um, there isn't a lot of benefit to making your site for all the people. And you had a, when we talked about this, you had a great way of putting this in perspective, but how you've identified your ideal customer and what you coach our members to do. So can you share that with everybody here? Yeah, sure. I think everybody's probably gone through the exercise of filling out these worksheets of who's your avatar, who's your perfect customer, whatever you want to call her, giving her a name, all those things. But sometimes what happens is, it becomes just so much information and it's hard to really relate to all that information. So what I like to do is pick a person in my life that I feel like is my ideal customer or that I know because they've actually bought from me multiple times. So for me, it's my friend, Lauren. Like I know she's a world traveler. Uh, She has the kind of items that I have. She's bought jewelry from me. Her home looks like if if her home and my store were related, you would be able to tell. (laughs) Like There's a lot of overlap there. And so I just think about how I talk to her, what words she uses, um, what questions she would ask me about things that I have in my store. And it just makes it so much easier. Where if yeah. I'm writing copy, I write as if I was having a conversation with her. And that's a good place to start. 
So generally, when you talk to the members, when they describe their ideal customer, because I know that's one mm-hmm. of the things they ask, is it too is it too generic? Is it too... Well, uh, I hear, I'll ask, okay, who's your ideal customer? And I'll hear, oh, it's a woman between 35 and 65, and she has high household income, and she lives in New York or LA. And it's like, okay, well, those are all accurate things, but that doesn't tell me anything about who that person is. Like, is that person you? Can you describe a friend of yours who's like that? Where does she shop? What What's important to her? What makes her buy items like yours? You know, and when you yeah. have that person in mind, it becomes a lot easier than just all these facts that you have about the demographic. You have a better understanding of their currency. Right. What exactly? Mm-hmm. What it is. Okay. So, so this is when you're creating your messaging, this is what you need to use. So when you're creating your messaging for Welljourn, you think about your friend, Lauren. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you can use this throughout your, everything you do. You can and should use this throughout everything you do. Right. Yeah, totally. And the other thing is if you, if you're just starting out and you're still kind of or if you're even if you're established and you're trying to figure out who your ideal customer is, the other thing that I recommend is always look at your customer reviews because those people are giving the, you the language of what their currency right. is, what's important yeah. to them, and that can be another good place to find that information or yeah. to get closer connected to it. But we're talking about this is who you speak to, and you speak to that person everywhere. You speak to them on your tagline for your shop. Like you have a yeah. great tagline for Welljourn. Mm-hmm. You speak to them in your social media the same way. You Your product descriptions speak to their currency, speak to what's going to make them buy. Yeah. And also your branding, you know, like mine is very sort of uh, global and warm colors, but then there's other people who have a very clean aesthetic. Let's say everything is very minimalist. And so, you know, your ideal customer lives this minimalist lifestyle and that's what appeals to them. Or, um, you know, there's insights like that, that you will know that ties back to your branding and that's what your ideal customer is attracted to. Right. Right. And you just do it with everything, even as far as like what your images look like and what your lifestyle images. Yeah, exactly. If your ideal customer is in her 50s, you don't put a 20 year old on your website. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right. I mean, I think like you have to, people need to see themselves. And and you speak to people in, in your email communication too, like they are all your ideal customer. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Here's what I want you all to onboard from this conversation. The first thing is cold traffic is cold. And understanding this is really going to help you manage your expectations about how long it's going to take to find enough of your right people to get the sales that you want, how long it's going to take, how many people you have to get in front of, how big you have to grow your audience. Because what you need to remember is most people are not looking for you. They are not looking for you. I want you to flip that and say to yourself, I am looking for them. I am looking for my right people. That's my job. That's my first job with my e-commerce store. The second thing Beyond the messaging, I think the mess, find your ideal person. I love your idea of using a real person because it makes it so much easier. 
But the other thing I want you to think about is give them a reason to buy. And we want to leave everybody with one thing about that, don't we, Tina? Yes. <laughs> so that was the other big insight is it's almost never about the price. I, I had people ask me, oh, how much does this cost? And I mean, they could turn it over and I had a sticker, but I never had anybody say, oh, this is too expensive. Or I didn't get the feeling that it was about expense or about price. Yeah. It was about, oh, I don't know if the person I want to give this to, if this is exactly right for them, or, yeah. oh, I don't have space for that right now. Or, you know, it was always something else about how are they going to fit it into their environment or into their yeah. world? It wasn't, oh, I don't have the money because they were already there to shop at the mall. They were dropping money left and right. You know, That wasn't the problem. Yeah. It's almost never the price really in our businesses. I mean, when it comes to toilet paper, maybe it's the price, but, or when it comes to something, you know, the price of chicken, maybe it's the price. I don't know. But when it comes to our stores and specialists, whether you're a skincare store, a jewelry store, a fair trade store, you sell socks with dogs on it, any of those things, it's almost never the price for sure. And I want to just wrap it up with a, a little story about the price, because I think that this is where we default to all the time. And a couple of weeks ago, I was at an outdoor art fair, which was so much fun. But I was on the other side, Tina. I was a shopper. I actually didn't even know it was happening. So I was, it was a happy accident for me. And I was walking. So you were cold traffic. <laughs> there I was you go. Only cold traffic. <laughs> anyway, and, and so I was walking up and down the aisles and I saw some art that was really interesting. And I went to the booth and it was a young guy, he was African, but he grew up in New York City and he, it was original art on canvas and it was really bold and bright and I, I kind of liked it a lot. And uh, so I was asking him about sizes and, uh, and prices and, and, you know, there were a couple of pieces that I was really interested in, but, uh, you know, it was it was higher priced. It was ultimately the, the piece I bought, it was $750. So it wasn't, you know, crazy expensive, but it wasn't throwaway prices for sure. And I was just, couldn't make up my mind because it's hard, right? To, between a couple of them. And before I knew it, we got into this conversation where he was trying to get me, give me a better price if I bought two or an even better price if I bought three. These were huge canvases. And I finally said, do you have a website? And he said, no, I don't have a website. I only sell on Instagram. And I said, well, I'm going to have to walk around and think about this for a little bit. But, you know, I was halfway, halfway there. And I walked around and I came back and uh, I said, I'm going to take this one particular one. And he said, well, I'll give you XYZ price again if you take two. And I said, you know, I have to share with you that it's kind of funny because I teach people how to sell things online for a living. That's what I do. That's my job. And this is a lesson for both of us here <laughs> as we're having this conversation. Because I can tell you that walking around thinking about this, the price was not a factor in my decision at all. The price wasn't what I was thinking about. I was thinking about where am I going to put this? Where am I going to put this? 
And I don't want to spend was ultimately it was $750. I don't want to spend $750 on a canvas that I'm going to roll up and throw in a closet. I need <laughs> to have a place to put this. And that was my problem, not the price. And, and I felt like it's original art on canvas. There is no need for you to reduce your price, which would be the same for somebody who makes beautiful jewelry or an artist that sells, or somebody who handcrafts something, or somebody who has a fair trade product. Like it's not the price. It's there's some other reason that they're making a they're hesitating on their decision. And so I think that the um the lesson here is number one, it's not the price, but the other lesson is make it easy to, for people to find you and buy from you. Because had I walked away and not purchased, I probably would be gone out of my mind. Yeah. And there's no website. And are you, if you didn't follow him on Instagram, would you ever have found it again? Yeah. (laughs) I can barely work Instagram. So that wouldn't be happening. (laughs) But yeah, that that's the lesson is that sometimes it takes people longer. It's usually not the price that is a it's it's usually do I want it badly enough is the is the determining factor and make it easy for me to get back there. So yeah, that's all I got. Anyway, thank you so much, my friend. This was yeah, thank uh, I you think for I, having me. I'm glad we had this conversation. It was really eye opening for me too because it was just like, oh wow, okay, this is this is what it's like for my online store. So, so the job, everyone, is to go think of a person in your life who is your ideal customer. And then see if the messaging on your social media and your website and in your emails is the kind of language you'd use when you're speaking to them. Yeah. Sound good? Thanks again. We'll see you soon. Hey, listen, if you like what we're working on here at the Roadmap to 50K and it's helping you get clarity on your next steps, I think you really have to check out our inner circle You know, it is just an amazing place to learn how to build your business the right way. And you get to do it with a wonderful group of store owners that support each other and will cheer you on. You know, in the inner circle, our only purpose is to help our members get results. And because of that, we actually have dedicated coaches that are fully trained and available to work one-on-one with you. And we offer that to our members at crazy affordable prices because I know that sometimes you just need a little extra help to get past a roadblock so that you can move on and make progress again. So if this sounds good to you, I want you to head on over to the socialsalesgirls.com forward slash inner dash circle and get on the wait list. We will send you a lesson so that you can see what's waiting for you on the inside. And we'll also invite you to join us the next time we are open to take new members. So listen, friends, that's all. Thank you so much for spending your time with me and I will see you next week.